Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is your host, Chad Dotson. Joining us on the line today is, uh, you read him every morning, you hear him on uh, the radio with Marty in the second inning uh, every other game. Uh, it's our friend, Mark Sheldon, beat writer for MLB.com. How are you doing today, Mark? Fantastic, Chad. Yourself? Oh, doing good, doing good. Glad we got to catch up with you. Uh, Mark's actually on his way to Chicago for the big uh, weekend series. Uh, it's usually a crazy time out there in Chicago, isn't it? You know, it is. It's- yeah, the stadium's always packed, whether they're winning or losing. Obviously, the Cubs aren't doing too well right now, but it's uh, kind of been viewed as uh, one of the you know world's larger happy hours. And uh, fans have a good time. The stadium's obviously older than old, and for us media types, and no one you know this isn't a thing that fans should care about. But we you know it's, it's a little harder for us to do our jobs. But uh, you know it's always an interesting series, whether it's uh, both teams are out of it or both teams are in it. The Cubs series and the Reds are always you know a little bit more attention, a lot more media. And the games are usually pretty interesting, especially if the wind's blowing out. I wanted to talk to you, and we will in a moment, about a couple of things, a couple of articles you've written lately. But uh, the first thing I wanted to ask is, you, you know, you're with this team pretty much every day. Uh, coming into this season, did you see this team being where they are right now? Uh, you know, half game up uh, in the here at the beginning of August in the National League Central. I'd be lying if I said yes. I, I but I, I did say, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it can be located. I, you know, I I think. When I, the season came coming into the season, especially during spring training, I said this team is going to be better than last year. It'll be competitive, but they'll probably win 83, 84 games. And kind of where I had it, uh, you know, I kind of imagined them being in it for a while, then kind of fading a little bit towards the end. And, and you know, they've definitely exceeded my beliefs. Well, the one thing that's really just stunned me is, is that they're they're able to hit so much better than they did last year. You know, the addition of Scott Rowland and, and, and to a degree Orlando Cabrera is really uh, opened up their offense a little bit. Obviously, Joey Votto has been doing what he's been doing, and and the and the uh, the pitching's been really good because you know last year the the starting pitching was really something that held them back, uh, and now this year it's it's been really one of their mainstays. Well, you're right on target about the offense. Uh, your prediction there was sort of about the same place we were. I thought they were basically a, maybe a slightly above 500 team. You know, uh, I didn't know how the Central was going to be, but I would have been surprised to hear they were in first at this point in the year. Um, I didn't think they're hitting. I'm the same way. I, I, I thought their hitting would be better than last year because it was really, really bad last year. But I just didn't see how it was going to be, you know, uh, a whole lot better. I guess, and never would I've guessed it'd be, you know, the number one offense in the league for most of the year. Uh, it's just that, that that's just sort of blown my mind. Especially if you'd have told me that Jay Bruce would sort of be struggling the way he has for the last month and a half, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, what what about Jay Bruce? What are we to make of the fact that he's been struggling here lately? You're, you're watching him every day. Of course, we're watching him on television, but uh, what do you make of the fact that he's been struggling so bad lately? You know, I think it goes in cycles. I mean, I looked at his uh, his splits for every month, and, you know, they, 
yeah, April to June, they were they were they were relatively reasonable, if I'm not mistaken. July was horrible. I think he was under 200 for July. Uh, but I mean, if you look at most players, I mean, most players have an ebb and flow in their season. Not every player is going to be batting their their average for the season consistently the entire season. And I think, yeah, you'd like to see him step up and do more. Yeah, we forget he's 23 sometimes. But you know, I, I don't really see this as a sky is falling situation with Jay Bruce. I mean, I think he overall he gets it. He, he he wants to be a good hitter. He's kind of gotten away from some of the things that made him successful earlier in the season and at the end of last season, where you know I think he's obviously expanding his strike zone again and getting a little less selective. And, and those are the things that hurt him, you know, at times last year. And I think a him knowing that is you know he's already admitted to it. Him knowing that's already half the battle. So you you already figured he knows that much. So now he's got to you know put it into practice and figure out how to get back to where he was. And I think he will. I'm not I'm not as concerned about him. I think Drew Stubbs, on the other hand. He's been, you know, he's been really lost a lot of times this season as he is now, and obviously he hasn't played the last four games. I think there's more concern about his offense getting back in track than there I have for Jay Bruce. Well, I agree 100% with everything you just said, and I want to talk about Stubbs more in a moment. But you absolutely hit every point that I was going to make about Jay Bruce. I, I get really tired of people trying to throw him under the bus or saying, let's send, that, send him down to single A to work on his game, or, you know, how fans can be sometimes. Certainly, I'm sure you hear it, uh, Twitter and elsewhere. Um, people need to remember that Jay Bruce is 23 years old. Most players when they're 23 have not sniffed the major leagues yet. Uh, yes, he's in a uh, struggling right now. And, and my question was uh, really sort of wondering if you were – obviously, he's it's in his head a little bit. I didn't know if there's anything – that can be identified. I guess if there's anything that can be identified to get him straight. straight that's a Brooke Jacoby's job and, and Jay Bruce's job. But uh, I think you're exactly right. Uh, he's not the guy to worry about. And you know, when he was hitting uh, awfully well there for a month, month and a half earlier in the season, you know, uh, there's no reason to believe he can't get back to hitting well again. And, and if he does that the next um, two months, well, you know, look what we've got on our hands. Uh, so Stubbs, though, uh, are we looking at a it's too soon to say, obviously, and it's a little bit. Uh, I'm being a little bit facetious and even saying it this way, but could we be looking at a a, situ- a Wally Pip situation with Chris Heisey coming in and and trying to grab the the brass ring and really uh, take that job? I'm not sure it'll be a Wally Pip situation, and, 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 you know, and I did say I was more worried about stuff, and I will qualify this that I think everybody in general in this day and age try to take a football mentality to baseball and you know baseball is such a long season and you have so much so many games and you're really your true numbers do come out at the end i don't think anyone ever goes too far above or too far below where they you know, where their career is obviously stubs is more almost a rookie but not quite but um so I, that's why i don't get too over over concerned about anybody but with stubs being in this one for 36 and he's been had a very roller coaster season you have to remember you know his RBIs and his uh, his home runs is almost as good as some you know some teams like the Pirates or the or the entire Astros team has. Sure. So you got to put that in perspective. But at the same time, now that the team is in contention, now that the team is needs to win, uh, you do have to think about whether it's Heisey or perhaps Chris Dickerson. You know, about a month ago, I would have said if you know when Chris Dickerson went on his rehab assignment, I would have said you know what, there's a good chance he's going to start finish that rehab assignment of the option to Louisville because Stubbs was playing well. They obviously didn't want Gary Matthews Jr. to come up. They, they dinged him, and Hyde was doing fine in a pinch hitting role, and that, that's kind of been up, you know, there's some upheaval now, and, and uh, you know, I, I could see a, a Hyde Dickerson platoon. I could see Dickerson playing every day. They do need a leadoff hitter, and Dickerson would fill that, that mold pretty well. 
Hyde's played really well in the opportunities he's gotten, but he's been much better off the bench than he's been as a uh, as a starter uh, until recently. And so it's really it's going to be interesting to see which way they go uh, with that. They've been pretty loyal to Stubbs. They've been pretty loyal to to, uh, to Jay Bruce, and but they know that if they want to win this division, they have to have you know those guys hitting more consistently. So I, I, I'll be curious to see where they go. It wouldn't nothing would shock me at this point whether they they sent Stubbs back to Triple A to get right if they kept with them or if they went with Heisey or they went with Dickerson. They could go pretty much four ways right now, and none of it would shock me. Yeah, and I don't envy the guys that are having to make those decisions, certainly, because you're right. You mentioned loyalty to those guys, and and, uh, and I actually appreciate the Reds having that, uh, taking that stance because one, one my pet peeve, really, and we talk about on this podcast just about every week, is people giving up on these young players uh, you know, after they have a one bad week. you got to remember, Drew Stubbs is a young guy still, too, and I'm still high on him, but... Uh, the problem is he's having his struggles, as you said, right here in the middle of a pennant race that uh, maybe not everybody expected we were going to be uh, be in at this point. So um, it's also ironic that it's ironic though. I remember last year, the year before, when Dusty Baker was you know in his first two years as a manager. Oh, he sticks with these old you know guys. They're, they they accuse him of everything from cronyism to you know ageism. <laughs> that he right. hated young players, and now he, he sticks with the young players. And I'm not trying to defend Dusty. Dusty doesn't need me to defend him, and I'm not. It's not my job to. You know, I'm not going to. But I think it's funny though. This year, you know, he sticks with the young players too much, like Stubbs and Bruce, and and not the veterans. But you know, we, we, I, I couldn't hear too little of uh, Willie Tavares complaints and Corey Patterson complaints that they, he stuck with those guys way too long. So it's, I do find it kind of funny now. Yeah. Well, I, I, obviously, I see your point. Um, and I think that I think the some of that criticism for Dusty from his past jobs is justified here in Cincinnati. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know how much it's just, I don't see which young guys he's sort of uh, kept down in favor of, um, in favor of, uh, you know, the veterans. I'm not sure who they would have had. I, I didn't like, obviously, having uh, Tavares or Patterson, but, you know, it's not like there was some huge prospect that they were keeping down uh, at that time for those guys. Um, and, and, you know, your your point about Bruce and, and Stubbs is, is correct. He's, he stuck with them. Um, and, uh, and, and I hope the Reds will be rewarded for that eventually. I think you've got to give these young guys a chance to develop. Um, another, another young guy, you wrote a, had an article that was posted this, uh, this afternoon, I think, at, uh, at Reds.com, MLB.com, about Araldus Chapman. It's looking awfully, yeah. uh, it's looking like we're, we may be seeing Chapman soon. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Numbers are filthy. He, he seems like he's figured out the relief role. It took a, you know maybe the first six or seven games people were kind of shaky, and then the last I think you know ten or eleven outings he's only given up one unearned run, and he's been pretty lights out. And uh, you know I was talking to Dockety yesterday when I did that you know the post up story, and uh, and it seems like he's really gotten it together, and he's throwing 103 uh, in, on Tuesday at Columbus, which is you know mind boggling. Uh, no, I, I understand. I wasn't at the series in Pittsburgh, and I heard Russ, Russ Springer might be, you know, have a little injury, and you wonder if, if that might be the opening for Chapman. Otherwise, you know, it might take someone else performing not well, but clearly he's ready uh, when they want him. You know, the minor league side, uh, Terry Reynolds said they would recommend him, and, and Walt Jockety said he was definitely someone they would have no problem bringing up if they, if they wanted to bring him up. Can you believe you're even talking uh, seriously about somebody th- topping that at 103? I mean, that's just insane. It is insane. I mean, he was hitting like 101, I think 102 at spring training, and, you know, you're watching that, and, you know, and, and as much as, as impressive as that was, he was actually, at the time, representing with a good changeup, 
wish I had hitters all crossed up during, you know, a lot of PP and, you know, some of those spring training games. But but then again, you know, 103 is still 103. And it, it, it is, you know, if you can get that over and command it, command his off-speed stuff, he could give big league hitters trouble. Now, if he's uh, having trouble with the other pitches and 103 is coming, and even big league hitters can put that out of the ballpark. And that could, that could probably hit the river in Cincinnati. So we'll, uh, you don't want to get too excited about it. But then again, it's still impressive, especially from a 22-year-old left-hander. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, when when they made the move to to push, put him in the bullpen in Louisville, I wrote at Red Lake Nation that I thought there was a great idea. You know, keeps his numbers down some, and it put it gives him some uh, experience in a position where he could possibly help the Reds down the stretch. You made a point in your article today that actually we've talked about a few times at Red Lake Nation by comparing him with David Price, the situation that Tampa Bay Rays had the year they went to the World Series. Uh, David Price was their big prospect, number one pick, and uh, you know they called him up, and, and really uh, he was very, very effective as a reliever uh, there in the end of the regular season, of the playoffs. Um, and so I thought that the fact that you pointed that out, I, I agree 100. Um, percent And wouldn't it be nice to have a, a dominant left-hander like that? Uh, yeah, and, and he, I don't think he's one of those guys that'll have the uh, the pressure of the, the postseason or the of the late season pennant race. I don't think any of that stuff's going to phase him. Even though he's young, I don't think he has the uh, the weight of Cincinnati on his shoulders like maybe other people might. And I don't, I don't think uh, you know. I think him coming in will be, you know, after he gets over the initial adjustment of being a big league pitcher, I think he'll be really, you know, he could be successful. And and what a weapon to have in the late innings, especially if you know Mike Leake is getting their starting or you know even Arroyo, and then you get to the seventh or eighth inning and you have Aroldis Chapman to unfurl, un, un you know, throwing his his stuff. That's that's quite a move for. Uh, what an asset having your bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't be uh, envious of any hitter that had to go face, uh, like for example, a Royal than the next at bat, Chapman. Uh, I don't know how. You, I don't know how he hit it, but uh, that'd be interesting to see. Uh, you think it could be soon? I mean, obviously, if, if Springer goes on the DL, you would think that Chapman's the guy. But uh, if he doesn't go on the DL, I mean, we're talking maybe Bill Bray. I'm not sure who else. Maybe perhaps Jordan Smith. I don't know. Although he's pitched awfully well. Um, how, I think it would definitely be someone like Bray would have to be, you know, have not have to be successful. I know he gave up a home run yesterday, but I mean, I think it'll take more than just a bad outing for a reliever. I think it's going to be one of those things where they think, all right, we need him now to do this or do that in the bullpen. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like they have to get him up right this minute, but he's ready. And they know he's ready, and, and they're, they're, you know, right now until yesterday, the bullpen had a less than a one ERA in the last, you know, 12 games, and everyone seemed to be pitching well. And you, know, you, don't, you don't want to bring them up and then not use them. Also, you, you want to make sure you have them in there. There's a role for them, and that's the stuff they have to work out. I, I don't know exactly what they'll end up doing, but I would say, hey, you know, like I think I wrote the article, at any time he could be here, and the phone will ring, and it would be for him, and they'll have him in Cincinnati, and and they'll they'll, put, they'll turn him off, they'll turn him loose. That's going to be exciting. Uh, it'll be uh, fans. Uh, they're already fighting. Uh, it looks like starting. To, we don't need something like that to get some fans in the stands anymore for the first time in a while. It seems like, but that'd be a that'd be an exciting time. You mentioned Mike Leake. What do you think about this guy? Um, he just continues to impress me, even when he has his bad outings. He continues to impress me with just the way he carries himself. And uh, this guy's got a. He's special. He has a good future, doesn't he? Oh, clearly. I mean, he's he's very mature for a young guy. He's only twenty two, also, and. Uh... You know, I mean, I, it's hard to remember. You know, obviously it's there that he went right from college to the uh, to the major leagues. 
you know, you've kind of forgotten about that now. He's just kind of a rookie, and he's going through his rookie season. He's having his ups and his downs, mostly are ups. And he's obviously not as strong as he was numbers-wise as he was in the first half, but he's, I mean, he's still pitching pretty well. And, and you know, the last game was standing, and, and uh, uh, I mean, and if, if they, uh, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise, and he's definitely one of the reasons why the Reds are where they are. I mean, a couple of years ago, their fifth starter was a guy like Matt, you know, Matt Belisle or Josh Fogg, and, and, and Mike Leake is, is, is much more talented and much you know, more able to do things uh, in the later innings than either of those guys ever were. And that's a great asset to have as a fifth starter. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, again, I would encourage, I continue to encourage Reds fans. Look, he's going to have some rookie pitchers have their ups and downs. He's going to be inconsistent sometimes. It's his first time uh, on this uh, merry-go-round. Uh, but you cannot complain about a single thing Mike Leake's done this year. He's been uh, outstanding. You talked about the fifth starter there, and and my question that I posed at uh, Red Lake Nation yesterday was: eleven and two record, three point two four ERA. Is Johnny Cueto is, is he an ace at this point? Yeah, I never make a big deal of that stuff. I, I I would almost say Arroyo is probably the ace in the sense that he's the veteran and he he's also got I think ten or eleven wins and the ERA is obviously not as good. I don't you know, during the season. I don't put a whole lot of ace and, and not ace stuff. I mean, right now you have two really good pitchers at the top of the rotation. You have Meek, you have Volquez, who's trying to find it. And then uh, um, you have Travis Wood, who's been you know, a nice surprise. Also, I think, as a rookie, uh, what he's done so far. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cueto's definitely elevated his, his stature in, on the rotation. I mean, last you know, coming into the season, he was a third or fourth starter. A couple of years ago, he was a fifth starter. Last year, I think he kind of underwhelmed people. You know, he came out the gate really hot, and then he got smoked 22-1 to 1 after not making the all-star team, and I think things kind of went downhill for a while from there. But uh, this year he's been definitely a really uh, solid pitcher. He's really improved his work ethic. He, his conditioning is really good. He, he's been, you know, every day when we go to the press box, uh, you know, before anyone's there, he's always running the stairs to the stadium and doing a lot of workout, and I think he's trimmed down a little bit. He's definitely not as uh, – as a doughy as he once was, and I think that's all helping him be the pitcher he is. Yeah, whether you put a label on him or not, it, it's just it's become evident, especially over the last month or so. He has taken that next step. It looks, you know, it, it, don't come, yeah. yeah, he's just when he's on the mound, you know, you, you just you're, you're comfortable with it, and and also uh, I love watching Arroyo pitch because of the crazy things he can do with the baseball, and it's uh, you know how much. Uh, Fun it is just to watch him go at hitters, but with Cueto, just watching that electric stuff that he has when he's on, um, it's just uh, it's got to be terrifying for opposing hitters. But he's he's a delight to watch as well. And he changed his ways a little bit. I mean, Cueto used to be all about you know bringing the heat and getting those strikeouts, but of course he'd have 110 pitches through five innings and it didn't do anyone any good. And now he's he seems to take it a little bit off his fastball and, and kind of step back a little bit. And the, and the pitching coach uh, Brian Price and the manager you know has brought this up and. Uh, you know, he's not, you know, if you look at a lot of his starts, he's got, you know, less than, you know, less than three strikeouts, but he also has no walks. And that's a, that's a big thing. He's kept his walks down because even when he had a lot of strikeouts, he'd be prone to three or four or five walks. And again, his pitch counts would be up. And I think that's really helped him, uh, be, you know, being more economical has helped him become a better pitcher. Definitely. Um, you talked about uh, Travis Wood, who's been just outstanding as a, uh, and his, he's, he's a guy that's sort of come up and got that opportunity. You know, the door opened slightly, and he grabbed and He's not trying not to let go of it. Um, you know, Volquez is back now, and he's sort of up and down. He's sort of adjusting back. And then, of course, Arroyo, Cueto, and Leak have done an awful good job. 
what's this team going to do when, you know, for example, Homer Bailey's ready or Aaron Harang's ready uh, to come back? What do, what do they do? I, I, I don't. Well, that's a tough question. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Harang, I, I, you know, he hasn't even started a rehab assignment yet. I, I would imagine. I think I read somewhere. I don't know if it was John had this or uh, someone had it. You might have a simulated game when they get back to town, and you know, he's going to need at least two or three rehab starts, and that takes you almost to September. And then you just wonder. I mean, you obviously wanted him to be. He's a veteran, and they'll, they'll probably find a way to get him in there. But you know, with Homer Bailey. You know, you got to wonder if the bullpen's his future, too, because right now there's really no one there's no one to take out. I mean, there's just there's really no one that, that deserves to come out of the rotation. And, again, you're trying to win this thing. Uh, so I, that's a really tough question. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> that's the only I, – I don't fault you for giving that answer because that's exactly my answer. I do, as we said earlier, I don't envy the decision-makers on that one because I, I don't know. Probably if I had to, you know, make the choice right now, I'd lean towards, you know, Bailey in the bullpen – uh, it'd be nice to have his stuff out in the bullpen. But on the other hand, the bullpen's pitched so well lately. I, there's not a natural place to to fit him out in out there either. Um, you know, that's you're gonna, correct. You're right. You're going to get rid of Andrusik, you know, the correct. rookie. Well, not, I mean, you know, he's been unhittable since he came up back up from AAA. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's an embarrassment of riches. And how long has it been since the Cincinnati Reds had to deal with that? True. And you know what else? I mean, when Bailey, you know, if and when Bailey comes back, I mean, think about how many things have kind of fallen into place. There's always a People, one of the things I get on Twitter a lot is people want to know, like, you know, they want to know three months before Volquez came back, who was going to come out of the rotation. Well, you know what? There was an injury. Aaron Horan got hurt, and it happened to work out that Volquez was able to move into his spot. And, you know, things just have a way of working out. And I don't, I don't get too concerned with what's going to happen beyond next week because things just have a way of changing. I mean, you never would have thought, you know, that, you know, you know, some of these things that were going on are going on. I mean, Travis Wood, like you said, he came in and he's he's been lights out, not lights out, but he's been outstanding since he came in, and, and you know, he deserves to stay. But you know, something else could happen. Somebody can get hurt. Someone could fall apart. You never know. So these things will work themselves out one way or the other. That's a that's a stone cold truth. So. Um, you mentioned that you weren't. Well, shift over to away from the pitching for just a moment uh, to the hitters. You mentioned that you weren't uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, are you are you disappointed that you missed uh, Paul Yonish's big day? Well, I mean, you know, no. I mean, <laughs> I would be off. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. I like Paul Yonish, and I'm glad he's, he's doing well. But you know what? Funny thing about him is that he. Uh, I know it's been a a thing on your blog about kind of you know, free Paul Yonish and give him his chance. And I remember in Chicago actually the last time uh, you, got, you know Votto got ejected and yeah. he had about Paul Yonish in the third spot after uh, in Votto's place, and they did the double switch, and he went four for four with a home run. So it's a you know, he can hit. I don't know whether he can hit over the long term and whether he's the long-term answer at shortstop offensively. We know he can do it defensively. Uh, but now this is a good chance for him to do the job. He's got two weeks to pretty much take this, this gig and, and show what he can do and, uh, and show that he's better than, than his lifetime offensive numbers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know that anybody's claiming he's going to be uh, lots out offensively. Uh, the, the free Paul Yonish stuff is mostly just we like seeing the guy play three times a week or something or, you know, three or four times a week uh, spelling uh, Cabrera. That's a lot when Cabrera's. I mean, people like to, to get on Cabrera, but I, mean, I know he doesn't have the range that he used to have, and he's certainly not as good defensively as uh, at Giannis, but I don't think he's a slouch defensively either. And maybe I don't have the numbers, and I, I, I don't have all that, you know, the. Uh, the defensive metrics that a lot of people look at. But, you know, looking with my own eyes, I mean, Cabrera has not embarrassed himself at shortstop. And for the most part, offensively, he's been he's been decent. I don't think, you know, he's, he's killed them offensively. And I think with his experience, 
he's had a lot to do with where the Reds are. And, you know, Giannis, he kind of got the, the, the short end of the stick, you know, when they signed Cabrera at the last second. And, yeah, I, w- I was happy, more than happy, if Giannis had gotten a chance to uh, go into spring training and take his chances. But he knows his role, and I think, you know, right now that's the best situation for him. Asking God to play four days a week, though, that might be a, that might be a stretch to me. But, well, we were, I'm uh, saying... Maybe, maybe more than he's playing now than he, was, than he was playing would have been okay. But he's the 25th guy. He's on the roster. And he's got a role, and his role was to be that that last kind of last guy before the uh, you know when you run out of players, and that's that's kind of the way it is. Um, well, the three or four days a week is in you know spelling Cabrera or Roland, who's out a, a good bit, or Phillips is what we were thinking. Of course, nobody expected Cairo to uh, come in, and, and you know, he's hit exactly. way beyond what anybody expected him to do. So that's cut into maybe some opportunities Giannis would have had at third base as well. Um, yeah, Cairo, but I mean, like you said, Miguel Cairo, I mean. Everyone wanted him out of town after 28 at bats, uh, you know, in April and May, and he, he played sparingly, was hitting under, you know, around 200, and they wanted him out. But man, his uh, his worth this team. I mean, he he did so well when uh, when Roland was out for those uh, nine games with the uh, with the hamstring, and and you know, Miguel Cairo is indispensable. I mean, I know people want to see Paul Yanish play, but. I don't think anyone can complain about the yacht with the job that you know the, the Cairo did. No, I agree with what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. That's part of the reason why Giannis has not gotten to play as much is because yeah. Cairo came in and it's just been nobody can complain about anything Miguel Cairo's done. He's been, you know, you don't want to say MVP of the team, but he, when the Reds have needed him, he's been there. Uh, after that first really? sort of rough stretch in the year, he was as, he was as bad as the Reds were early on uh, in the season before the Reds really caught fire as well, and he kind of caught fire at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, has something changed? What's your opinion on? Brandon Phillips just seems like a different player this year. Is it maybe just that he's hitting the leadoff a little bit more and he's changed his approach a little bit? Um, he's not having as many of the sort of issues as we've seen in the past of not running out. There have been a few things here and there, maybe not running out ground balls or whatever, but he seems like a different player, and, and really he's just had a superb year, hasn't he? He has had a superb year. Uh, he's had the kind of year that you know he's supposed to be having. Uh, you know, I, I think he's been a, you know, offensively he's, he's – had some inconsistencies. He was also maybe ill-suited for the fourth spot in the order uh, in the past. I mean, I'm not saying he, he couldn't do it or that he shouldn't have been doing it, because quite honestly, I didn't think, you know, before this season there was anyone else that could do that job. Um, now, that, now that he's batting first or second, it seems to be more suited to his talents. He's got also got, especially if he's batting second, he's got Joey Votto behind him. He's batting first, you know. He's got, um, you know, often, you know, Cabrera behind him, and it's not a terrible thing. Um I think that's, it seems to suit him a little bit more than, than what he was doing. And, yeah, he's playing better. Yeah, he's been uh, – and, and he's always fun to watch uh, with the glove on his hand. Well, clearly, he's a great defensive player. He deserved to go to the All-Star game. Uh, you know, he's he's mercurial, and, you know, that's that's a you know, story for another time. But he's <laughs> – but for the most part, he's a guy that, that you know, he's doing exactly what they need him to be doing. He's a, he's a very good second man. He's part of the, you know, that main – engine, the cog in the main engine that needs to go to play well for this team to go anywhere. Him and Roland and Votto are the, you know, like yeah. kind of the three guys in that order that have to be playing and have to be playing well for them to have any chance. And he's definitely one of those indispensable people. Yeah, I agree. Um, Joey Votto, are there any words to describe? This guy just keeps hitting, just keeps on. I mean, uh, his numbers are unbelievable. He's leading the league in uh, all kinds of uh, statistical categories from Batting average, home runs, uh, on-base percentage, slugging percentage. Uh, are, are there any words in the English language to describe what this guy's been able to do at his age? I got three words: most valuable player. There uh, you go. Right at the rate he's going right now, I mean, he's he's 
got to be in the, if not leading the conversation, he's going to be definitely in the top two. I mean, he's going to be at least in the hunt for the Triple Crown. He's, he's been hitting for more power this year, and he's kind of doing what he was doing last year. I mean, people kind of forget last year because they weren't playing well, and he missed so much time. But, I mean, he had 25 home runs, but he missed you know 30 games or so or 25 games with his uh, personal issue. Now he's, he's been playing full-time, and he's not missed any time so far, and, and I think he's, he's just a very – Dedicated and very disciplined hitter, and he's and he's raking. So it's it's definitely. Uh, he, I mean, without him, I don't know where the Reds would be. I agree, and without and the third cog in the machine you were just talking about, without Scott Rowland, uh, you know, everybody expected Scott Rowland to be good uh, as much as he's able to play. He's obviously not going to be able to play every day these days, but everybody expected him to be good and good defensively. But nobody expected him to hit with the power he's hit with, and really, just uh, he's put up a year that I don't think anybody one could have. Expected. He's not hit like this in three or four years, at least. No, he hasn't, and he's already exceeded his home run total from the layout previous couple of years. He had like 11 the last two years in a row. He has 18, I think, this year, 19. Yeah, 18. Um, you know, if you looked at his first half numbers, his numbers weren't that far behind Votto. You could have made an argument that, you know, as far as first half MVPs goes, you know, Roland would be in that conversation, too, because he was every bit as important and, and as good as, uh, as Votto, just a couple of numbers behind in the home run and the, uh, in the RBIs. But, uh, and his defense, I mean, Think about Edwin and Carnacion and where they were with him and defensively. And, and you know, Roland doesn't make every play. But, man, when he makes them, he, he definitely throws them there. And he's, he's, he's smart. I mean, he can take an extra base. He does a lot of things that don't quantify very well. But his uh, his presence has made this team, you know, infinitely better. Uh, not infinitely better. It's made it better. And, you know, having him for the whole year and having him from the beginning of the season has kind of shown uh, a lot of these guys, the younger guys, have had to handle themselves. He's yeah. not necessarily a rah-rah leader, but he's a, he's a lead-by-example guy. And those guys really kind of, you know, watch what he does and, and they emulate it, and that's really helped them. Yeah, he's a professional. Um, you know, I think he's probably lost a step uh, defensively. I think Cabrera's probably lost a step defensively. But you mentioned both those guys. Something they do that you don't have to worry about with them is – uh, maybe they don't get to every ball they used to, but when they get to balls, they're not doing dumb things with it. They're uh, you're making good throws. Uh, they're you can tell these guys have a, have an idea out there. Uh, even when we had Alex Gonzalez uh, previously, and he you know had the great reputation, uh, you know I never felt comfortable with him. He seemed like he was always doing something uh, silly with the ball. Uh, so yeah, that, I agree with that. You know that, that's something. I, you know I'm not a big Cabrera fan. Obviously, I'd, I'd love having Cabrera on my team. He was just batting eight. That's my opinion. Um, that's my only. That's my only quarrel there. Um, but he's not been as bad defensively as as I thought he was doing early on the year. He's sort of uh, stabilized the position a little bit more than I thought he was going to. Uh, uh, you know, and, and and I like having a guy with good hands. And, and you mentioned Edwin. Edwin was my favorite red last year. I'll be honest. But um, it's so much fun not to see throws going into the second row. Uh, you know, from that third base position. Um, sort of an unsung to shift gears. Just a, a brief uh, minute here. One of the unsung reasons, I think, for the Reds' success, this is sort of my theory, is the production that they've gotten out of the catcher's spot. Uh, Ramon Hernandez and Ryan Hannigan, um, well, I mean, you can't complain with anything those guys have done this year. Um, should we should we have been surprised at this? And uh, and uh, what are your thoughts on the catcher's spot? No, I think you know, the big surprise from the catcher's spot is actually, I mean, I was, I'm not going to say his numbers were, like, stupendous, but Cork. Actually yes. Pretty good job with, with, with his hitting. I mean, he's a, a sub 200 hitter, and I think he had 246, which is nothing to, to you know go rah rah about. But at the same time, it was uh, a much needed uh, thing they needed when, when Hernandez got hurt and then when Hannigan got hurt. 
um, or vice versa. But the uh, yeah, I mean, catching's been good. You know, Hernandez has played, hit the eighth spot mostly. Hannigan has too, and they've they've both been very productive. Um, I would I would take what you're saying a step further in a different direction and say that you know the left fielders, you know, their production, especially with goals and you know even when Nick steps in, has been. Uh, one of the reasons why this team is going places. And I, yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the lineup's more balanced in general. I mean, Gomes has not been playing as well as he was in the first half, but I think when you had the left fielders in the beginning of the year, all of them, and then when Gomes broke out, that's been a big reason. And then the catching has definitely been solid. I mean, you know, Hannigan's starting to get some more RBIs. He, 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 he's much better with, with runners in scoring position. And, and I think people have just undervalued her in general. Uh, for his offensive talents, I mean, he's not a, you know, he's not what he used to be. He's 35 years old, but at the same time, he he knows what he's doing at the plate. He, he up for situations, and he can uh, he, he can hit. Hernandez getting on base at a 3.53 clip. Uh, Hannigan's getting on base at a 4.06 on base percentage. Uh, I'll take that from my catchers every single day. No complaints about that. Absolutely, absolutely. And- and, and and Hannigan and also Miller. You mentioned Corky Miller, and we love Corky Miller. And mostly it's because of his mustache, but also because he came in and uh, you know, defensively he's he's a, he's sort of a pro, like we said earlier. You know, he's not going to uh, stun anybody with his ability, but he handles the pitching staff well. Uh, he doesn't make mistakes out there, and and that I agree with you. That was that was huge for him to come up and play twenty four games and really uh, stabilize when it could have been a, a sort of a hole there in the in the lineup. Absolutely. Left field, you're right about Gomes. He's been really bad lately, frankly. Um, but uh, his production out there in left field has really – that's exactly right. We didn't know what we were going to be getting from left field. And certainly he was signed late, no. late in the game uh, before the season, and we didn't know who was going to be out there. So um, another reason why this offense has been uh, surprisingly good. Um, let's see here. What else was I going to – you're not getting too close to where you had to go to your uh, flight football game, right? Just found out that it's uh, being set to canceled till tomorrow. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Thunderstorms here, so they've they've changed it to tomorrow. So, um, but th- that's just about uh, everything we sort of wanted to cover. Um, well, one one last thing actually, the well, Walt Jockley obviously didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, and and obviously he's going to continue to uh, be searching the waiver wire and see if anything can can be worked out. Do you expect to see any? Any deals uh, before the August uh, waiver trade trade deadline? I guess it all depends on what happens if something happens. You know, like teams have kind of responded. You know, I think uh, you know one you know one team I forget who it is all of a sudden you know had an injury and they went and got uh, somebody got Ryan Sweeney. I think it was the Phillies. So, you know, Howard did Howard get hurt or something like that? And they, yeah. they get Mike Sweeney. And, right. Uh, you know, things like that come up, and you never know. I, right now, I don't see anything on the radar, but at the same time, you know, if, if they're able to get through a, wa- a waiver trade, it's, it's possible. For six weeks before the uh, non-waiver deadline there, July 31st, we were all saying, oh, they've got to do something to get some, some help for the bullpen. they got to do something. And then all of a sudden, the bullpen turns into a strength. So, uh, you know, you got to think Gomes, he's in a slump uh, right now. He's in a sort of a down spot in his up-and-down season. But you got to think he's going to come back and, and do well. We're going to have Dickerson come back to help out. There's no huge holes right now that they necessarily have to uh, go out. And, no gaping holes at all. That's what they put Walt in a tough position in a way because, yeah, at times things were going not well and the bullpen was kind of doing that, you know, not doing so well, but then it did well. and. Um, but you know, he, he, I don't. You know, the fans, of course, wanted a, a trade, but I, I, at the same time, you can't let the fans run your team. And I think it was good for him not to 
show the restraint that he generally does show and that he didn't feel like he had to make a move. I mean, I, I think he probably, reading between the lines, he said that, you know, he wasn't after any of the relievers that were traded on the deadline, which leads me to wonder if he was after some of the Toronto relievers that didn't get moved, like Downs or uh, right. um, Frazier or something like that, or maybe the guy in Seattle League. And I'm just spitballing that. I'm not, I'm not saying that's sure. what I heard, but I just think at the same time, it, it just, none of those get moved, and you wonder if they were after them, and they didn't get them. They were, they were prepared not to, to, you know, make a move, to have a move, you know, for the sake of one. I mean, the Gary Matthews situation kind of gave you a little indication of how he was thinking, that he didn't want to disrupt what he had. You know, he was willing to do it for Cliff Lee, but he wasn't willing to do it for a middle-of-the-road type of guy, and that's, and that's, that's the way he's operating right now. No, I think that's probably, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, I don't quarrel at all with, uh, that, that line of thinking. And, uh, and you can't quarrel with really much of anything that Jockety's done. I think he's probably right to not sort of disrupt what we've got going here because it's a, it's a good thing. The Reds are not a, they're not an elite team right now, but they're a team that's on the rise. And in this division, which is not that good, the Cardinals just keep having problems with injuries. And, you know, Freese is out for the year now. It's there for the taking, isn't it? Yeah, it's there. You know, if you make it this far, it's there for you. I mean, all you all you ask of a team, whether you know what division you're in, is if you can get to September, it's up for grabs. If you're in the hunt, anything can happen. And the Reds have done, all, you know, they're a month from away from holding up that end of the bargain. I mean, they're still a game or a half game up or down. I mean, it's it's still wide open. And you know, then it, it becomes very interesting after that. What's going to happen? And these guys are going. A lot of these guys are going through it for the first time. Cardinals have a lot more experience with it. They have a lot of guys that have been on the World Series. Um, they know how to win. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. And uh, But right now the Reds are, you know, they, they deserve to be where they're at. They've played well. I think a lot of people, you know, are very negative. You would never know what some of the questions I get, whether this is the first place team. But, uh, it, you know, they're where they're at. They, they've hit well and they pitched well. That's all you can ask for if you want to win. Yeah, I've been uh, – I've been uh... – Embarrassed, frankly, about some of the a lot of the negativity we've seen. I can't believe how people can, you know. I mean, it's all right to question things every once in a while, but uh, you know, things sure, are overall. I mean, I'm not I'm not positive for you know I'm not overly positive either. But I mean, right. I'm, I'm I'm as cynical as anyone else can be. But then there's there's this the cynicism has turned to full fledged negativity, especially on Twitter. It seems like and yes, it's it's different. It's a different ex- something I haven't seen so much of. I can understand it in years past, but I think. I think people haven't quite embraced the idea that they think they're watching a winning team right now. And I, I, maybe they're not enjoying it, or maybe they should enjoy it more. I don't know, but that's, that's up to them. And, you know, they're a team to root for. If they want to root for it any way they want, and if they want to be negative, they can be negative. But it just it's surprising me how what they're how they're how they're handling what they're doing right now. But that's okay. That's their that's their job. They're fans. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> I agree. I agree with what you're saying, and I know exactly what, the way you're trying to put it. Um, it's uh, there is some of that element. It's been a decade, you know. I won't be fooled again. But at this point, you know, uh, this team. Well, really, since they started winning uh, early on, you could tell they were sort of a different type of team. And, and even if you thought they were going to fall off the, uh, this was my argument. Even if you think they're going to fall off the cliff in July or something, why not enjoy the wins now while we're getting them? You know, it's it's fun. So sure. um, I know that your job is the same whether they're winning or losing. You know, you, you're a professional. You got a job to do. But I'll tell you that for for those of us out here, the winning it, it's it's a lot of fun and and uh, it's been a good year. And we. Uh, we appreciate uh, being able to uh, everything that you're providing uh, both on Twitter and uh, certainly at uh, your blog and uh, uh, obviously at uh, MLB.com. So uh, keep up the good work, Mark. Well, thank you very much, Chad, and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I always appreciate you know your uh, your link into my stories and, and things like that. It's always you know any 
any amount of traffic that we can get going in my direction, whether on the blog or the story, that always helps. And, uh, you know, thanks to the, everyone else that reads. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're, we're big Mark Sheldon fans, so uh, keep it up. We'll link, we'll link to all your uh, Twitter, uh, uh, your blog, and your uh, and res.com where you can be read uh, pretty much every day. Have fun in Chicago. I will. Take care, and thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, that's all for this week's uh, Red Leg Nation radio podcast. Uh, check us out uh, every week uh, at uh, redlegnation.com. Uh, for Mark Sheldon, red beat writer for MLB.com, this is Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, saying so long. <laughs>